Hi there, it's Kathleen here, and welcome to The Gathering, bringing God into everyday life. Let me encourage you to not just listen, but partner with God and practice what He speaks to you. You can access more information about me, my newspaper articles, upcoming events, contact me, or purchase my book, Thriving Through Seasons of Grief, on my website at www.kathleenmaxwellwamby.com. This podcast is now in 28 countries, and people have donated so that you can listen free. Will you consider paying it forward for someone else by giving a one-time or monthly gift? Simply click the button that says Become a Patron or Patronage at the top of the podcast. And don't forget to click the like or follow, and you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Enjoy the podcast. Bringing God into Everyday Life. Today, I come to you from Uvalde, Texas, and we're going to be talking about living out of our value instead of our need. Um, Let's begin with prayer. So, Lord, thank you so much for your goodness, for your love, um, for all that you do. And I thank you, Lord, that you look at each one of us and you see us as people of great value. We were designed by you. And for such a time as this. And so, Father, help us get our identity, Lord, our belonging, our significance, and our love from you. And so speak to each heart, God, and I just ask that you just flow through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the things we're going to talk about, and it's something I am passionate about, but is our identity. And I think that this, our identity is how God sees us. So many times we get our identity from our occupation, from our family, from different things um, in our lives. And yet it's what God thinks and what he says about us that is the most important. In today's lesson, we're going to talk about getting some of our God-given needs met in him versus the ways that sometimes the world tells us to. So why is this lesson important? Well, how we see God in his great heart for us provides an opportunity to see ourselves as people of great value and potential. You know, for me, I became a Christian when I was 10 years old as a little girl, um, that was when I invited Jesus into my heart and, and, and got saved. And I remember making that conscious decision. But it wasn't until I was a woman in my 30s that I really began to see my identity and my value from God's perspective. And it was a fabulous journey, but it was also just an aha time in my life. And for those of you that are taking notes and have the Bible study in front of you, um, I just want to say there's a place for you to write just notes right there, but then there's also things that we'll have that are, are, you know, one, two, and three. And so I'll kind of direct you to fill those in. But why is it, again, understanding our identity so important? Because when we live out, and this is number one, when we live out, when you live out of your value and remember who you are in God's eyes, instead of your need, you change 
the world around you. You change the world around you. Our value and identity has to be rooted in what God says. And it, again, governs how we see other people. It governs how we see things in our lives, in our job, in our interactions at home, in ministry, and in relationships. And one of the beauties is when you begin to discover who you are in God's eyes, then there's this desire in you to help others see the value that they have in, in life. You know, like I said, for years, I got my identity in being a wife and being a mother in my occupation. I couldn't wait to get married because then I was going to be Mrs. Joe Maxwell. Um, and back in those days, that's what you went by. You went by your, your husband's name. Now things are, are quite a bit different. But I just thought, gosh, when I get married, I'll be somebody. And, you know, it didn't take too long, you know, for the honeymoon to wear out. And we find sometimes that, that, you know, that there is that place where if you get your identity and just who you're married to, that that can quickly fade in some, some ways. And for me, I was so glad God taught me that in my 30s because when I was 49, I was widowed and had my identity stayed in my husband. I'd probably still, my late husband, I'd still probably still be a basket case. Not long after we were married, um, actually, 42 years ago today, I was in labor giving birth to our first son. And, um, you know, as a young mother, I got my identity in being Austin's mom, Mallory's mom, Price's mom, have three kids. And that's how I got part of my identity. And at that point in time, I had a gymnastics school and that's how people knew me in Kerrville. Oh, well, that's Kathleen Maxwell, gymnastics, etc. So I had gotten my identity somewhat in my occupation. And it was when I sold that business that I turned around one day and looked at my husband and I said, who am I now? I just sold our name. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, people know me is Kathleen Maxwell, gymnastics, etc. He looked at me, he said, oh, crazy woman, they know me as Mrs. Kathleen. <laughs> I'm Mr. Kathleen. And, um, but it was a, a, an aha moment in that I began to see that I couldn't get my value and my identity in those things because all of them could be gone. My business sold, my children were gonna grow up and live their own lives, and little did I know how soon in life that my late husband would, um, would be leaving the earth. And so, you know, if we get our identity in those things, then it can keep us in a way fearful in life. And that's not God's heart for us. I believe his heart is that we come into alignment with him and it also gives us power to move forward when we remember our identity power to move forward in tough days 
And, you know, recently there was a day that I had, and um, it was just a trying day. And I stopped in the middle of it. And this was just a few weeks ago. I stopped in the middle of it. And I could feel kind of discouragement kind of coming into my heart. And I stopped in the middle of it. And I said, wait a minute, Kathleen, you know who you are. You know what you're called to do. And so go forward. And I'm telling you, it gave me power to move forward. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how God sees us and all. You know, I think sometimes that when we don't see our own value, it makes us hard. It's hard for us to see the value in other people. And I know for years of my life, I had a hard time complimenting other people because there was insecurity and inferiority that I felt. My self-esteem wasn't that high. And so it was hard to compliment others around me but it was because my own self-esteem was low. So I can't say enough about identity. We're going to briefly touch on it today, but I have a couple of podcasts, so you might want to write this down if you want to go deeper into identity. One of them is called Wake Up to Who You Are. The other one is called Understanding Your Value and Worth. And then there's one called Living Out of the New You. So my podcast is on Apple um, and on Podbean, and you can find those there. There's like three little dots. Click them, and then it should have a drop down, and you can scroll through all of the different ones. But at the core of our identity and understanding who we are in God is our relationship with him. And, you know, Jesus talked often about the Father And the Father, God, talked often about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So there was such a union there. And I feel like that's what God wants for you and for me, is that constant communication. People, I think, uh, they, they make prayer too hard. All prayer is, is a conversation with God. It's just having a conversation with him. You can do it when you're driving down the road. You can do it when you're washing dishes. You can do it at your at your job. And some of you have heard one of my favorite prayers that I say when I'm real busy and don't have time to just, you know, really go into deep prayer, and it's Jesus fix it. So I pass that on to you today. Is when you got a lot of stuff and you need help, just say Jesus fix it fix it. But prayer is about relationship with a God that dearly loves us. Some of you, I believe, that are listening today have been victims of identity theft, and God wants to heal those areas. He wants to restore your dignity and open your eyes to your value and your worth. See, when bad things happen, oftentimes people can blame God And it can cause them to feel like, well, I must not be important. Where was he when this tragedy happened, when this happened? And the Lord wants to, I believe, bind up. And I know he binds up the brokenhearted. I know he does that. And when you look at the Bible, there's a lot of other people that went through difficulty. Look at the life of Joseph. I mean, the Bible's full of stories of people that are overcoming adversity. And Joseph was rejected by his family. He was falsely accused. He was thrown into prison. But the rest of the story is he became a great ruler. 
and helped many people. So sometimes the adversity that we're in is because there's things God wants to work in us and there's things he wants to work out us because he's preparing us for something on down the road. And let's look at the life of Jesus real quick. Jesus was misunderstood. He was abused. He was rejected by his own people, but he was still called to be the savior and king. So if you're sitting there and you're, you're looking at your life and looking how things haven't turned out the way that you want, I want to encourage you to partner with God and say, all right, Lord, what is it that you want to work in me and out of me? Because for me, I'm passionate about doing all that God has called me to do for the years that he has me here on earth. Number two in your note taking, don't let what you've been through, trauma, abuse, rejection, disappointments, tragedies, or mistakes define you. That is something that happened. It's not who you are. Many times in life, we can let those hardships define us. And that's not really, that's something that happened in our life. But it doesn't define us according to what God says. Trauma, abuse, rejection can make you feel less than, devalued, stuck in disappointment. But I firmly believe God wants to raise you up from those mindsets and heal you. You know, there was a time when, you know, and it seems like, have y'all ever had a time where something hits and then something else hits and then something else hits? And you're like, oh my word, what on earth? And, you know, there was a time in my life when, and I was very, I was very vulnerable, but there was a time in life where there was someone in authority that, that really there was some verbal abuse and some things that hurt my heart. And it was a time when I was very vulnerable. And luckily I had begun to learn who I was in God. And that was what I could stand on in the midst of the disbelief, in the midst of the what on earth just happened. But learning to stand in our identity is critical. Number three, who are you in God's eyes? Well, let's talk just a bit about that. You are chosen, not rejected. You might want to bullet these. Chosen, you're not rejected. You're priceless. You're a masterpiece. It doesn't matter how you look in the mirror. God calls you radiant. You are radiant. He sees your inward beauty. You are loved. You are royalty. You are his friend. And his treasure. 
He sees your potential and he believes in you. And you are worthy of his love and the great price he paid. I'm going to say those again in case you miss some of them. You were chosen, not rejected, priceless, a masterpiece. Thank you. It doesn't matter how you look in the mirror. God calls you radiant. He sees your inner beauty. You are loved. You are royalty. You are his friend and his treasure. Number four, we must see people, we must be a people that lives out of our value instead of our need. So we've talked just a little bit about how God sees us. And now we're going to talk a little bit about some of our needs. Number five in your note taking, we need 2020 vision of our value and identity because it governs how we think about ourselves. And your thinking determines your actions. And oftentimes I think what happens is we see our own imperfections, our failures, our struggles with sin, the dumb mistakes that we make. And we can sit there and say, well, how can a holy God have anything to do with me? I just don't feel worthy. Or we take to heart what other people say, and we let that define us. You know, our value and worth is based simply on God's grace. All of us are who we are because of God's grace and the sacrifice that he made for us in his mercy. You know, maybe you're sitting there thinking a past hurt. Someone told you you're good for nothing or you don't deserve anything good. And those can become lies that we believe. Many times we can believe what others say instead of saying, God, what do you have to say? And I think it's important in life and situations if somebody says something and you're like, I don't know, to take it to the Lord. Say, God, what do you have to say to me? about this you know God gives us a crown and and it's in one of the other podcasts that I mentioned uh, wake up to who you are just the story of how the Lord began to show me that he'd given me a crown and I didn't wear it Psalms 8 verses 4 and 5 it says if you want to look this up in your Bible what is man that you are mindful of him And the son of man that you care for him, you made him a little lower than heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. And one day when I read that, I just felt God speak to me and he said, Kathleen, I've given you a crown, but you don't wear it. I've crowned you with glory and honor because you're my daughter. You're my girl but you don't wear it. And I remember sitting there in my quiet time and I just said, oh Lord, I'm sorry. And I just repented right there. Said, Lord, I need you to teach me how you see me. I need for you to open my eyes 
to understand your perspective of me and my life. And so my prayer for you today is if that's been you in any way, that God would begin to heal and touch those areas in your heart. Many times we'll hear something, but it's not the truth about ourselves. And the truth is what God says. So what are some of our basic needs? These are at the core of, I think, every human being. It's the way he made us, but he never intended our needs to get met in people because he wants a relationship with us. And he knows that people are imperfect and they're going to let us down at times. Is there anybody here that's been let down by a person? Or am I the only one? Okay. (laughs) I think all of us have. So our basic needs, what are they? And this is, I think, in your note-taking, they are to belong. Number one is to belong. Number two is to be significant. And number three is to be loved. I remember one time my husband... And I, this was in some of the earlier years, my late husband and I were in the um, early years of our marriage and we had a, a gentleman come and he was to our church and he was praying for us. And he stopped praying and he said, he looked at me and he said, he said, honey, God loves you so much and he wants to be a daddy to you. And then he turned to my late husband, Joe, and he said, Lord, give this man wisdom He loves her so much, he just doesn't know how to show it. And you may be married to a man that doesn't necessarily know how to show you the love that you deserve and you need. And the rest of the story is God began to rearrange some things in our life, in our marriage. And my late husband became really good at really reflecting God's great love for me through him but sometimes we may not be in a relationship like that but here's what philippians tells us in 419 philippians 419 it says my god shall shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by christ jesus and what an awesome promise god's promises right there in philippians 419 that he will supply our needs so if you're listening to this lesson and you're like okay lord i can see where i've looked to other people and i've been it's you know they've let me down there's that place where we can repent of that and we can turn our heart to the lord and begin to look to him to help us we've often used that particular verse for our physical needs, you know, like when we need money or we're short on paying bills or whatever. Okay, Lord, you promise to supply our needs. But I think it's even a, it's even more encompassing. And you and I have choices. We have choices of where we're going to shop. We can shop at Walmart. We can shop at HEB. We can shop on Amazon. But for your God-given needs, let me encourage you to go to the Lord with that. So what happens when people live out of, when we live out of our needs instead 
of what God says. Well, number one in that, and you'll see in your little note-taking, it'll say needs met in God, needs met in, how did I phrase it? I don't remember. Others, needs met in others. So let's, let's look at this. The first one is to belong. When we look, you know, there's a need in us to belong to something. Um, and when we look to that, we want to be a part of something. We want to be part of a group. We want to fit in. We want to be a member of something. Um, some people try to get that in the sports teams they're in or the college they graduated from or the political party that they're a part of or a sorority or the mafia or, you know, their family. No, no, really, that's true. That's true. I worked um, in social work for a number of years and I worked with women that were struggling to overcome a lot of adversity and there were some of their family members that were part of the mafia. And I saw that in my interactions with that. They were looking for a place to belong. You'll notice that especially in kids that are in junior high and high school. Um, but you notice that in adults too. Sometimes people will gravitate towards the wrong friends just because they wanna belong. Um, and they're just looking for that belonging need to be met there versus instead of what the Lord says. And there's nothing, you know, there's, I, I looked even, you know, as a young, as a young, I looked to friends at school and even as an adult, I got my identity, like I said, in being a Jones, my maiden name was Jones. And my dad would say, you're Jones, you know? So I, I began to get my identity somewhat in that and look to belong there. We can look to belong um, in churches, in organizations. And that's a good thing, but then there's sometimes we can be around people that our feelings get hurt or they can let us down. Or for me, if I wasn't invited to something, you know, I really took that so personally and it would hurt my feelings. And one day I began to see that didn't define me. That didn't define who I was. And that is just a part of life. I even saw it in our children. So the rest of the story is I remarried 10 years ago and a guy from Uvalde here. And I saw that, that look, that, that need for belonging in all of our children. As we got married, it was kind of like, okay, their family structure changed a little bit. Where did they fit? Were they still important and valued? And what was that going to look like? Because the family structure had changed from what they knew it. I had three kids, he had two, and then we were a blended family. But when we get our needs met in God to belong, he designed us to belong. So let's look at what his word says about belonging. And because he's all about relationship, he wants us to be connected with other believers. We need each other. Can people let us down? Yes. Should that stop us from loving and connecting with others? No, absolutely not. But it's standing some days in our belonging and our identity in Christ. So what that looks like is that need getting met in God for your notes taking is you are part of a family 
And it tells us that in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. It says, God is our Father. And the Lord's Prayer, if you look at it, the very Jesus starts it out with, Our Father. Do you see you belong? He didn't say just my Father. He said, Our Father. He's inviting us into relationship. So you're part of a family a family of God when you've given your heart to Jesus. Jesus included you. He included you. And when we enter relationship with him, when we invite him to be Lord of our life, acknowledge our sin, that relationship begins. And it also says in John 4, 4, he calls us you dear children. He calls us his child. You, dear children, and that's John 4, 4. And then when we get our need to belong met in God, we're chosen. Let's look at Isaiah 41, verses 9 and 10. And this passage, this is one that um, just recently I have been just meditating on and really committing to memory. It says in Isaiah 41, Verses 9 and 10, I took you from the ends of the earth and from the farthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. God chose you. Insert your name there. I chose you, Haley, Mary, Laura, Tina. He chose you says in verse 10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That scripture, those two verses are so powerful. When you look that he calls us chosen, not rejected. He tells us, do not fear. I mean, my goodness, we've had things happen today that could cause fear in our life, just here in our community. Um, I am with you. He promises to be with us. Do not be dismayed because I am your God. I will strengthen you. Some of you might need strengthening today. And God may have brought you here just to tell you he wants to help you. And he holds us by his righteous right hand. You know, 1 Peter 2, 9 tells us, <clears throat> and this scripture says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. He calls you royalty. This is 1 Peter 2, 9. A holy nation, God's special possession. God calls you special. That you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This is how God defines you, and this is how he calls you and says you belong. It says in Psalm 27, verse 10, When father and mother forsake you, I will take you up. Isn't that pretty? When my mom and my dad both passed away, and they died within less than two months of each other, you know, that was a scripture that, it was like the Lord saying, I know they've been a stability in your life, 
you know, the first people that knew about me and, and uh, were there throughout my life. But the Lord promises right there, he'll take us up. He'll be a father to us. And um, the Lord wants you to know, maybe you're estranged from your, your mother or your father, <clears throat> but you belong. And God promises to fill those gaps and fill those needs. So look to him. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. You belong to a family. He calls us his children. That's where we've got to get our identity is that we are children of the most high God. And then Ephesians 2.19. And I encourage you to go back and look these up. And let God speak to your heart. I'm going quickly, but I'm trying to give you as many things as I can. It says in Ephesians 2.19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. His household. And then 1 John 3 verse 1 says, How great is the love of the Father, that he has lavished on us, that we would be called children of God. And that's who we are. And that's what it says in that passage. You have a whole new identity. Did you know that? It tells us that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new he gives us a whole new life the problem is sometimes we go back to our old ways or the ways of the world versus practicing our new life and so if you're sitting there and you're saying man i really have forgotten a lot of those things and i haven't done it it's okay it's a new day and you can practice your new life in christ i encourage you to look these scriptures up and let god speak more to you because you belong, and there's a plan and a purpose for you. The second need is to be significant. When that's met in people or things, you're always trying to prove to people, and mostly yourself, that you're important. Maybe that looks like shocking others or being performance-oriented, people-pleasing, a workaholic, Or other side, the other side is very low self-esteem. Many times we can feel insignificant. We don't really matter. We're not really of any value. And God said, no, 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 no. No. You have a purpose. You know, the, oftentimes what happens is these things can start in childhood. Maybe your mom or dad was not around. Maybe they were in jail or they were, you were divorced and so you were missing something there. You didn't get the, the affirmation from the family unit that you really needed and that you really deserved. God wants to meet your need to be significant. And significant means, and you might want to write this down, it means sufficient, sufficiently great. That's what significant means. 
or important to be worthy of attention. That's what God says about you. And your life has a purpose. And my prayer today is that each one of us will have a new awareness of the significance we have. You know, part of my purpose is every day to show people their value and their worth in this life. You know, my mission statement for my own life is to know the Father's love and give it away. There are people around us, all around us, wherever we go, that need to know that they have value, that their life matters, that they're significant. And I believe God is raising up a people that are strong in that so we can turn and give it away to those around us. God's called us to be a light. It's a dark world out there. How many of you will agree it's a dark world out there? It's a dark world. And even here in Uvalde with the tragedy that happened on on May 24th, I think God is saying, yeah, that happened, but I'm raising up a people that can reflect who I am and that I'm a God that loves them and I'm a God that heals. I was down there May 24th to help. I was down at the Civic Center and it's not because I'm smart. It's not because of anything like that. I felt God told me to go because I do know God heals broken hearts. As someone whose heart was devastated with losing my late husband and mom and dad all in a short amount of time, I do know that God redeems and he restores. And he's calling you and he's calling me to be a light in the communities that we're in. It says in John 1, 5, you might be saying, well, Kathleen, where on earth are you getting this? Well, let's look at John 1, 5. It says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. And then Jesus said in John 9, 5, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And guess what? He's called you, and he's called me to be his representative. We're to be a light. It tells us that in Matthew 5, 14 and 16. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. You are significant. Your life matters to those around you. And most importantly, it matters to God. You know, we read the scripture in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession called to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Do you see that you're supposed to be a light? Sometimes being a light is just smiling at people when you walk through a store. I want you to try that this week. Just as you go through doing your, you know, the things you do in life, 
try doing that with just a great big smile on your face. It's neat how people will respond. And people that are downcast, when you just smile at them, it makes them feel valued. Makes them feel valued. He's calling you. He's calling me. He's calling us to wear our crown. He's calling us to stand firm in our identity. He's calling us to be his light. And we can only do that when we remember who we are and who he's called us to be. To be loved. That's one of our third basic needs, to be loved. You know, you've heard the song, um, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. And so many times we do that, you know, looking to numerous men or, or women, you know, if you're a man watching this. Um, looking to our husband or wife, looking to our kids, to our friends. And what happens is when we look to others to meet our need for love, we can experience rejection. How many of you sitting here can say, I've experienced rejection? I've experienced rejection at some part. And, you know, like I said, in my younger years when the Lord, I began to see that, you know, I get my feelings hurt all the time. People are going to say things. They're going to say crazy things. They're not going to do things. They're not going to uphold. Here's the bottom line. We got to love them. We got to forgive them. And we can't let it define us. That's why God's called us to live out of our value. And let's talk about what the word value means. It means to think highly of because of worth. To think highly of because of worth. High worth. You are of high worth. And how you feel about God and how he feels about you is the single most important thing in life because it can govern so much of our thinking. So getting our needs met in God instead of people. Let's look at Jeremiah 31, 3, because here's what God has to say about you. Jeremiah 31, 3, this is one of my life signature verses. It says, the Lord has appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I love that scripture. I have loved you with an everlasting love, and I've drawn you with unfailing kindness. It's like the Lord is extending his hand to you and saying, will you hold my hand? You know, my um, husband, if he reaches out to take my hand, I can either hold his hand or not. If somebody reaches out to take your hand, you can either pull it away or you can hold his hand. The Lord is inviting you to hold his hand. He's inviting you. He wants to walk you through life. He wants to escort you because you are of great value. It says in Isaiah 42.1, it says, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. Do you know that God delights in you? He delights in you. 
Does he want to change us? You know, he wants to say, I think he looks down sometimes. He goes, that's my girl. That's Kathleen. Oh, my goodness. I just love her so much. I want to help her to be more like me. And there are times that we have to forgive ourselves. Sometimes, you know, I'll make a stupid mistake, and I'm like, what was I thinking? But, you know, that's when I feel the Lord just saying, dusting me off, saying, get back up, get back in the game. Walk in your value. Walk in your worth. We can all do crazy and dumb things. But God calls us his dear children. He adores you. He's not standing there with a hammer about to hit you on the head. He just says, that's my girl. That's my boy. And I love them so, so much. And so my big question to you today is, have you crossed the bridge? Have you accepted Jesus into your heart? Is he Lord of your life? Sometimes we can have a hard time in really believing that a holy God would love us because we weren't nurtured well as children. And it's hard for us to see God's love and the love of others sometimes. Sweet friends, the Lord wants to fill your need for love. He wants you to look to him to needing that need. 1 John 4:11 it talks about how God actually likes us. I didn't I didn't uh, write that out, but you can look that one up. And more than anything, he wants you to know his love and give it away and give your heart to him. I want to close with something I want to read to you. I just found this the other day as I was preparing this lesson. And this is in a little book called The Divine Romance, 365 Days Meditating on the Song of Solomon and God's Love. And I'm going to read to you January 16th. It says, even when we're confronted by our weakness, Jesus calls us lovely. He doesn't point an accusatory finger or constantly bash us because we aren't perfect. He opens his arms, pulls us close, tells us how beautiful we are. He exchanges our imperfections for his perfection. His love for us will conquer our fear and unbelief, healing every wound that has crippled us and left us feeling ugly. The Lord speaks to our identity and opens our eyes so that we can embrace it ourselves. Receive these words into your heart today. You are beautiful. You are anointed. God himself has a purpose for your life. Favor and wisdom are yours. The joy of the Lord is your portion. Righteousness and peace have kissed your soul. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, thank you so much for your great love. Thank you that you loved us from the very beginning, that we are here today 
because we were your idea. And so, Father, I just pray that your great love would come and bind up every wounded heart that each one listening would see their significance, their great value, that they belong, that we're part of a family when we give our heart to you, that you call us chosen, that you've given us a crown to wear, you've crowned us with your glory and honor. And Father, you call us significant. We're significant to this generation. We're significant because you placed us at this time in history. So I thank you for that. Even though it looks dark, even though it looks dim, Lord, you're causing, calling us to be your light. Yes, God. So I pray for each one listening that we would get our significance, our belonging, and our love from you. Thank you that you call us your special chosen ones and you love us so much you sent Jesus to be a sacrifice for us so I bless my friends I speak healing over their lives over their families and help us to go forth and be your life in Jesus name amen hey friends thanks so much for joining me today with the gathering bringing God into everyday life. The next six weeks, I will be doing teachings just like this that are a little bit longer, but take you deeper in God's word. So I hope you'll join me. You want more information? Go to my website at www.kathleenmaxwellramby.com and you're, feel free to share.